everybody. Welcome back to the Chiefly Football Podcast. I am the underqualified host, Kinlock, and Staten is joining me today um, for our bye week episode. It's week eight in the NFL, but the Chiefs do not have a game. Uh, Staten, you said that you were a little bit depressed when we were talking about um, or just brainstorming some ideas for the show. Was that referring to the Chiefs not playing this week or was is there something else that you feel like you need to get off your chest? Uh, no, yeah, it was uh, purely the the source of the depression was the fact that the Chiefs aren't going to be playing this week. And it comes at a time where I feel like, you know, the pieces of the team are really starting to click. I think that we've seen the progress through, you know, the last couple of weeks where our defense and our offense has really started to um, take stride. Uh, and I mean, we can probably talk about this later in the podcast, but yeah, it just came at a time where I was, it's just started feeling like this is the chiefs that we expected them to be with the pieces that we have. Okay. Well, if, if that's all you, if that's all, then I guess that's good. Well, I did have a, I, I did have a great tournament. We took third place at the rugby league tournament. We won three thousand dollars. We have another tournament um, in November, so that'll be fun. There was snow and rain at our games. What? <laughs> so, yeah. Where, so that was. Where were you? We were in Winnemucca, Winnemucca, uh, Nevada, which is oh. about four and a half hour drive from us. So, yeah, it was it was rough. Uh, my entire team is Tongan and they only speak Tongan. And so I actually, I almost left all of my stuff at the hotel because I, <laughs> I thought we were spending another night there. Um, but uh, we weren't. And so after the, after the tournament, it was about nine 30 and I was like, okay, well, I can't wait to go back and, you know, shower, get ready to go out that night. Cause I didn't even know we were driving back. And uh, they told us that they had already checked out of the hotel rooms. Oh, so you just luckily had all your stuff with you. Uh, no. Well, we went back to the hotel because after the coach's wife had yelled at him for only speaking tongue and not making sure that everyone understood the plans. Oh, so um, it was just you. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, yes. Yeah, so it was just me that didn't know. <laughs> so we went back to the hotel and uh, they let me back in the room and everything was still there. So oh, nice. it was a blessing. <laughs> yeah. Well, good. I saw one highlight play. It looked like that you posted on Facebook. Uh, you, yeah, ho- it looked like, you were like about to get pushed out of bounds, and so you just like ch- chucked the ball back- backwards. To <laughs> I, mean, I know because... I don't know a whole lot about rugby. I know that you're not allowed, really allowed to go out of bounds, or else it's like a turnover. So I don't know if you got like baited into running that close to the sideline, and then just basically well... purposefully fumbled the ball just so that it wasn't an automatic turnover. But or I, and I don't know what happened immediately after that because the uh, scene cut, but. The run looked great. Um, no, it was it was it was funny though because the the football field or so it was a high school football field that we were playing on, but they they uh, like widened the field for the rugby game, and so there's two lines. But I thought that the inside line was the out of bounds line. Oh, so I so you had another like, couple took, feet or something. Yeah, and it took me by surprise, so I threw it. And, and and because of the way like so they were they were switching between three cameras and so that's why like the the camera like it kind of was weird after I passed them all in I threw it to a teammate 
it, it looked like a reckless pass, but I threw it to a teammate. So when it cut over and one of my teammates was running with the ball, like that was from my pass. <laughs> so, but oh, it just yeah. looked like I like uh, that I just threw. Yeah, it you look you look like a kid who is being chased by a grown up and then like panics and just like throws the ball. <laughs> <laughs> no, like like I stole something from someone's yeah. yard and then they got me and I just throw it to get rid of the evidence. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, so I didn't know if that was like a a mental error, but it just looked cool. So you were hoping that people like just didn't know. And... Well, I, I I honestly I wanted to cut it out. <laughs> I wanted to cut the ending, but I'm sure I was like people are gonna ask what happened. <laughs> so I decided to leave it, and so I I even left you know the part where you see my my teammate running with the ball, just hoping that people would piece it together that I threw it to him. Obviously, it did not work. Yeah, maybe everyone else did, but uh. No. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was cool, and yeah, but then just the end, I was just like, huh. So yeah, I'll, well, uh, I'll yell at the videographers next time. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> make me look bad. Yeah, my family isn't gonna want to watch this. <laughs> How am I supposed to post this on Instagram? <laughs> Yeah, well, glad you had fun. Uh, looking forward to future updates, and uh, hopefully, you get a a contract. Maybe you can play over in Europe. Not from the highlight tape. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm self sabotaging. I'm self sabotaging myself by posting that. Yeah, it's like it's like your hot rod <laughs> highlight video that <laughs> makes you look. Not as cool as you think you are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in Europe, most of them speak English. I don't think any of them speak Tongan, so that should help at least. Well, a lot of their clubs have, you know, Polynesian players in them, but yeah, I should be okay with speaking. I should get along okay speaking English in Europe. (laughs) All right. Uh, So, Chiefs. Chiefs, back to the Chiefly part of the Chiefly football. Um, so week eight, not quite halfway through the season, but because it's the bye week, um, it's kind of a good opportunity to kind of do uh, state of the state of the union, state of the Chiefs, um, kind of evaluating where they are, com- possibly compared to. Uh, our expectations going into the season, um, where we see the Chiefs, or how we see the rest of the year playing out for the Chiefs. Um, and then the trade deadline is this coming Tuesday. Uh, there was a big trade that Chiefs were involved in today, so we're going to obviously talk about that. Uh, but we can also discuss if there's any more um, potential trades or potential players out there that you think that the Chiefs should target? Um, so, so yeah, this, this should be just a kind of a fun episode. Not super structured, but just fun to get some ideas out there. And um, like I said, just kind of evaluate where the Chiefs are and uh, maybe predict where we think that they're going now. Do you have a preference on where we're going to start? Um, I mean, yeah, I feel like we could start just, you know, how we've, you know, evaluating the season thus far and how, um, whether they've, you know, matched our expectations or exceeded them, maybe they've fallen a little bit short. 
But yeah, I think a, I think a review is a is a good place to start. All right, chronological order. It's good. All right. So the Chiefs are five and five and two. Is that right? Yep. Yep. Okay. Math. All right. Week eight. We have a bye week. All right. Um, going into the season, what did you? Is this about where you thought the Chiefs were going to be? Five and two. Uh, yeah, I, I thought that this is uh, a pretty good. Um, yeah, I, I thought our record would probably be about five and two at this point. I didn't think I didn't see us um, losing to uh, the Colts, obviously. Um, but you know, a loss is a loss. Um, we beat we beat a couple teams that I didn't think at the beginning of the season that we would have you know much of a chance of at beating. Um, you know, like the Buccaneers, I thought that they were going to be a tough game for us to play against, or even the Chargers with, you know, their added key players in the offseason. Um, but yeah, I think five and two is, is kind of where I, I had expected us to be at this point in the, in the season. What about you? Um, yeah, I think, I think I was a little bit more optimistic on the Chiefs' chances in, um, just like I think. I feel like most people have them losing like six. Yeah, like five, six, seven games. And more, I think most people were looking at like six and seven. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think I was more optimistic about like four, four or five, just because I think that the Chiefs, um, like coming into this season were were a better, more complete team than they had last year. Um so I think yeah, what's just been weird to me, I guess, is that the Chiefs are a lot like a lot better than all the other teams. I don't think that they're necessarily way better than they've been in previous years. And the record doesn't necessarily show how much better they are than other teams. But when you look at, when you watch the Chiefs games, you see how, or you see how they competed against the Bills, how they played the Bucks, the Niners, the Chargers. Um, and then you just look at the other teams that we thought were good around the league, and they're just not, uh, they don't, nobody looks as good as the Chiefs besides the Bills and like the Eagles. So, um, yeah, so I guess I, I I expected the Chiefs to kind of be in this in this area, um, but I think I'm even more optimistic for the rest of the season than I necessarily was before the season started. Just as far as the who they're going to be playing uh, and just how the other teams have looked so far this season. Um, who are, who? Who are some players that have surprised you on the team that maybe, um, maybe you weren't looking at as like contributors and have done well? Uh, that is tough um, because I think a lot of the rookies, and and I don't know if because I, I know that I tend to be one of the more optimistic, uh, you know, fans. Um, and so I had I had pretty high expectations for a lot of the rookies, but um, honestly, I think uh, uh, Watson. I can't remember his first name. The DB, 
not Justin Watson. <laughs> um, what's his first name? I can't, uh, huh? Bubba. Oh, Bubba Watson. <laughs> Jalen no, Watson. Uh, Jalen, Jalen, yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Jalen Watson. I think he's been a great. Um, he's been. I mean, obviously, we we want to see you know Trent McDuffie in there, and um, you know we had a uh, Rashad Fenton. Um, no, we were excited to see play. Um, but I think I think Jalen Watson has has filled in um, you know very well, especially for what was he a was he a seventh rounder. Um, for seventh round de- defensive back to be able to come in and and do as well as he's been doing, um, I think Williams the last couple weeks that he's been playing, uh, I know he's been targeted a couple times, but um, I think that especially this this pick in the last game against um, against the 49ers, it probably helped his confidence, which is I feel like confidence is is probably I mean obviously it's important in every sport and in every position, but I think as a defensive back and as probably. It's probably almost as important as a as a quarterback. I think defensive backs need to have that mentality that they can stop anyone, um, and have that like that short term mentality, like that that quick, uh, you know, that quick that short term memory loss mentality. Because defensive backs, especially with the way that the the rules are are heading towards in the league, it's it's a very tough position, um, and so in a league where you know, it's obviously more offensive minded. It uh, it takes a lot of uh, mental strength to be a, a defensive back, and so I think that having that interception in that game um, probably helps solidify his confidence. And um, obviously, I'm hoping to see um, you know Fenton back and, and McDuffie back. But knowing that we can have those guys to fall back on, like you know, whether it's in the playoffs for situational things or if there are injuries later on in the season, I think it's a huge help for us. And those guys have probably been the guys that I've been most impressed with. Um, this year. What about you? Or I mean, thus far. What about you? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think the the defensive backs are. Um, yeah, I. Th- I think it's awesome to see just the trend that, um, you know, Brett Veach has had of being able to pick, um, late round corners. Um, and then, you know, give them to Spags. And as long as they're they're like the big athletic, um, you know, willing tackle, willing tackler type, um, the prototype, then, you know, Spags is able to coach them up and put them in situations to be successful. And having that kind of depth while using minimal resources, um, is a great is a great way to build the team um, so that they can allocate resources to to other positions of of importance as well. Um, I think Pacheco has been um, impressive to me as well. I wish that the Chiefs would use him more um, offensively, but. I mean, I didn't really see a whole lot of him in the preseason necessarily. You just heard a lot of good things from him, you know, from from people that were at camp. Um, but yeah, just the, the physicality that he runs with, the the quickness, um, 
yeah, I think I think he brings a lot to the offense. Um Yeah, I don't know. I think Yeah, I think we thought that the Chiefs, you know, going into the season, I think we all were wearing those like rose-colored glasses thinking like best case scenario for all of these different position groups. So, um the fact that the Chiefs have played for the most, well, at least recently, they it looks like they've started to uh, find their stride a little bit. Um so I guess it's, it doesn't surprise me that all of these different position groups and things are doing as well as they are. Um, there's actually probably more players I'm surprised aren't performing as well as I had expected them to um, than players that I didn't think were going to be as good just because I was like, like you, I was pretty optimistic about every position group for the most part. Um, I think like the defensive line, I wasn't really sure about and still have questions there. I want to see more consistency from the defensive line and being able to create, create pressure, especially um, just rushing four. But we've seen flashes like this last game with Frank Clark and Chris Jones. Um, I know you really like Carl Loftus and you're a staunch defender of his on this podcast. Um, so I guess that's maybe something that I'm still kind of keeping an eye on because I haven't, I'm not totally sold on, on the defensive line, but yeah, I like, I like where all of our position groups are at compared to where I expected them to be going into this season. Uh, so before I talk about some of the players, I'm either, I guess I'm just surprised that they're underperforming. Who are, who are the, are some of those players for you? Um, <laughs> Honestly, I feel like if you had asked me like two weeks ago, I probably would have said like Juju, um, just because um, I've been a I've been a big fan of him ever since um, um, the Steelers. Like ever since he had that that breakout year with Antonio Brown over there, um, and you know even with the quarterback situation that the Steelers have been going through, um, a lot of people said that you know Juju was only good because you know. Antonio Brown took so much of the attention away. Um, but, I mean, I, these last couple of games, he's really stepped up. You know, he had 120-something yards. He could have had two touchdowns, but one was taken back due to a, an iffy uh, chop block call. Um, so, yeah, I, I, feel like, I feel like the people that we expected to perform are performing. Chris Jones is having a phenomenal year. Um, Frank, okay, actually, I, I'll – I want to go back to the people who have been exceeding expectations. Frank Clark. I think Frank Clark has really stepped up um, this year. He's, he's, he's coming. He's the player that we signed. <laughs> we thought we signed. <laughs> um, this is sorry. That's off track. That's off topic. Um, people that I feel like have been underperforming. Um, and again, I, I, yeah, like you said, I think it's because we were wearing those rose covered glasses. I think Sky Moore is someone that I thought would be more, um, a part of this offense just because um, of the skill set that he has and the, the short hands that he, he, I, I understand the, the, punt, <laughs> the muff punts <laughs> and things, 
Um, but when it comes to like receiving and like catching a pass, like he has very sure hands and he's able to concentrate on the ball. Um, and honestly, I even those muffed punts. Like I, I listened to the podcast last week, and, De- and David brought up the fact that Devin Hester had eight muffed punts um, his rookie year as well. And if you recall that game where he, had, he where that special teams killed us, uh, the against the Colts. I mean, even Travis Kelsey had a missed catch in the end zone. So I, I don't know if it if it was as much to do with like the roofing because like there's a lot of like shadowing like and the lights uh, and the sun breaking in and out of the shadows and stuff. So I don't know if that's something to do with it. And then this last week. Um, even the announcers talked about it was that the ball that was kicked was kind of like a knuckleball. And so it was one of those balls that are, you know, it's hard to track because it's not, you know, and it's not, it's not an end over end ball. And I'm not saying that's an excuse because as a, as a punt returner, you know, it's your job to make sure you secure the ball. But um, I just think it's taking those things into consideration. Uh, but yeah, I think probably Sky Moore and, and uh, his lack of like production. I know he's got a couple catches on the season, but I just was hoping he would have been, a more integral part of this offense, like maybe taking those jet sweeps instead of McCole Hardman, but you know, you can't complain when McCole Hardman has three touchdowns. So, <laughs> yeah. I already know you're going to say Carl Loftus, so just get it over with because I will defend him. Okay. Well, I mean, if you can say Sky more than I can say Carl Loftus. So, um, yeah, that's not who I was going to lead with because he hasn't been the one that's disappointed me the most, but, um, yeah, I think I haven't seen enough from him to think that he's warranted a first round pick. Um, okay, okay. Before you say who you who you thought of first, let's say on the count of three because I just realized who I think has been the most disappointing this season. <laughs> All right, That'd be interesting. Okay. All right, one, two, three. Orlando, Orlando Brown. Brown. All right. Yep. Nice. All right, I'm glad we're on the same page. Yeah. Okay. Well, then at least at the, least we didn't pay him. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. And I'm hoping he gets better. Um, yeah. I think I've just been frustrated watching him. I feel like he hasn't. The results aren't there because we've gotten. Mahomes has been harassed quite a bit by. I mean, some were really good pass rushers, but that's why he's here to take care of those pass rushers. And he's also struggled with average pass rushers. Um, And I know that some of this can be blamed on Mahomes, but I feel like it happens too regularly on the left side of the line. Um, Especially he gets, he gets, he tends to get beat by speed rushes. And if you're an offensive lineman that just can't block against a certain style of pass rush, like that's a problem. Um, I feel like his mechanics are just off. Um, I feel like he just does a lot of reaching. Like he just tries to block with his upper body instead of using his legs as much to get in a good position. Um, I mean, because yeah, I mean, even if you're not super quick, I mean, there's angles that you can take um, and just, you know, working on being a little bit quicker with your feet rather than, you know, trying to lunge or, um, or trying to attack him before he can get off and, and go around. So yeah, there's just been some frustrations with him. Um, yeah. Like you said, good thing we didn't pay him. Now there's, yeah, I still don't think we're going to, even if he ends up doing well, but um, yeah. So I guess that's that he's, 
the main one that I've been frustrated with because this offensive line was supposed to be, um, you know, top three or four offensive lines. And they've done a great job, I think, in the run game over the last couple of weeks. Um, but, I, yeah, I hope they, they continue to improve in uh, pass protection. Uh, Carl Loftus, <clears throat> I don't want to rag on him too much. Um, I, I guess I'm just – I was hoping to see a little bit more, especially – him just being able to win uh, one-on-one a little bit more. I think he, he does uh, lead the rookie class in pressures, um, but I and I haven't done a hard look at it, but I would bet you that most of those pressures are because the coverage was great and because he has a high motor and he's just um, – you know, the combination of those things, having more time and having a motor that runs throughout that time and is able to, you know, to get pressure on the quarterback. Um, So that's anecdotal. Can't really um, prove that. <laughs> but, but I can prove that he hasn't been able to, you know, sack the quarterback uh, consistently or anything. So, I mean, pressures are fine. But you even watch the game and you don't feel like he's making an impact. I don't know if you come away from every game or any game and you're just like, wow, Karloftis, he had a good game. I don't see that. I see that with Chris Jones. I see that with Frank Clark. I see that with Colin Saunders. And I, I just I haven't seen that with Karloftis. So I think for a first-round pick, I was hoping to see more out of him. Um, and I think, yeah, I think he just has – some things to learn, uh, particularly about um, alternating different pass rush moves and, you know, having a plan on how to attack offensive linemen, you know, doing certain moves to set up other moves. I mean, you see our tackles getting beat by um, by good pass rushers because they have those plans, like those spin moves that you see that totally wreck Wiley. I mean, those those spin moves are set up by the rushes that the player is doing, you know, the several plays before. So kind of want to see more out of Carl Loftus, but like you said, it's hard to be super critical of a rookie halfway through his, his first season. And he's, he's only going to get better. And I do appreciate his motor. Yeah. The only thing I would like to add to that is, um, yeah, you can look at the stat line and see like, um, you know, the lack of sacks or whatever, but I think that if you are watching the game, I think that he has a lot more uh, influence on the game than the stat line shows. Like for instance, last game, he would have had a sack if Jimmy, if Jimmy Garoppolo had not just thrown up that, that reckless pass that ended up getting intercepted. Um, he probably would have had a high chance of getting that safety. Um, if Frank Clark, uh, if uh, Jimmy Garoppolo hadn't stopped because he saw Carl Loftus coming and Frank Clark was able to get him from behind. Um, so I feel like there are, there are times where, you know, it doesn't quite show up on the stashy and I'm, I'm, I don't know. I don't quite know what the, uh, what makes a pressure a pressure, like how close you get to the quarterback or, or, um, or what it is. But I, I would assume that like, if it's, if it's, you know, past four seconds or whatever, three, three or four seconds. And if it, if it's like a coverage pressure, they probably wouldn't count it as a pressure just because it's, you know, I don't, I, I'm just interested to see what the, uh, 
the the factors of what a pressure are um but even then like um you know and i, I brought this up in our group chat before and i understand that justin houston was a third round pick so your expectations aren't nearly as high as um a first round pick but you know he didn't have a sack in his first 12 games and then in i think in his 13th game he had like three sacks so i, I think it just uh and Justin Houston obviously became one of the most dominant pass rushers that we've had in a long time. Um, and so I feel like Karloftis is, you know, starting to get more of a feel of the game. And I think that later on in the season is when we'll start to see those, um, those results. And uh, another thing you have to take and, and, and you have to, you know, keep in mind is he was the 30th pick in the first round, <laughs> which is pretty much the same thing as an early second rounder. So, <laughs> Um, I, I think the expectations are are quite different when it comes to like you know Aiden Hutchinson who's taking the top ten, or I think he was taking top ten, um, and then someone like, like yeah, second. and then someone yeah, and then someone like uh, Carl Loftus who was taken at the end of the first round. So I think you know not all first rounds are made equal, but I I, I do understand what you're saying when you when you have higher expectations. You know you want to a first rounder to come in and like be already be a difference maker on your team. All right. So that kind of leads us to the bye week. Um, lots of changes happening right now. Um, but the biggest one today uh, was announced that the chiefs acquired Kadarius Tony from the New York giants in exchange for a third and a sixth round pick. The third round pick is going to be um, the compensatory pick that the Chiefs received for Ryan Poles uh, becoming the GM for the Bears. Um, and the Chiefs already had like 12 picks in this coming, or like 13 picks, I think, in this coming draft. So they have plenty of picks, and they used two of them to go get Kadarius Tony, who was um, a 2020, yeah, 2020 first round pick for the New York Giants out of the University of Florida. Uh, Stan, you've been talking about how how important you think it is for the Chiefs to upgrade at wide receiver. I know you were thinking DJ Moore um, or Odell Beckham Jr. What are your thoughts on this Kadarius-Tony trade and what it means for the Chiefs this season and in the seasons moving forward? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I would have preferred to see, you know, like a DJ Moore trade, but I understand that the the risk is also a lot higher um, with a DJ Moore kind of contract because he just recently got paid, and um, you know, it's a bigger contract to take on, and it it means that we can't fill other needs. Um, and on, honestly, at first, when I first saw that we had traded for Kadarius Tony, I there's two thoughts. One. Well, just my 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 feelings in general were why why trade for him? One because he's always injured. Um, he's only played two games this year. Uh, he's I think he's been out the last five games to, due to a, ham, a hamstring injury, which has been a lingering problem for him. I think he's only played twelve games in the two years or going on to two years that he's he's been in the league. Um, so that was one thing, and then also I was thinking like maybe that this is does this mean that we're out of the Odell Beckham race, right? Because that's who, that's who I think, um, you know, you can argue whether he's going to make like an instant um, impact on the game. Um, but I think just having them out on the field, 
not he doesn't necessarily need to run you know like advanced routes or you know the advanced types of uh, of plays that Andy Reid likes to run. But having packages for him where you know he's a very uh, great route runner and he's able to get open um, and get space deep. He's a deep threat, great hands. Um, I, and I think just like having him on the field. It would be would be an asset, you know. Defenses would have to make sure that they that they watch him. But then the more that I look at this at this trade, um, I mean, you know, Kadarius Tony is in his he's in the second year of his rookie deal. Um, we could potentially have him locked up till I think twenty twenty five, and I think the most that it would cost us would be five million, or maybe a little bit over five million. So it's a it's a very economic it's a very uh, economically friendly deal for us. Um, and I think it's a it, it is a low risk deal just because, um, you know, it's not it's not that we need him. Like I don't think he's gonna be, he's gonna instantly you know push us, you know, over the edge as the best team in the league or whatever. Um, but he does have the upside. He has extreme quickness. He's able to get open very easily. Um, his lateral he doesn't really have that. I, I've seen a lot of people um, compare him to like he fits in perfectly with that Tyreek Hill role, and I would disagree with that just because, well. I see the comparison just because he's very quick laterally and uh, he's, he's able to get open. He has a really quick first step and, and things like that. But when it comes like straight away, like top speed, he just doesn't have that like Tyreek Hill does. He's not a huge, like take the top off the defense kind of threat. Um, but yeah, I think that this is more of a long-term deal. Um, you know, looking at the receivers that we have on contract next year, it's going to be Sky Moore, MVS, um, because Juju was only on one year. This is McCall Hardman's last year on his contract, so I think it's more of a future, um, a future deal. You know, hopefully that he's able to stay healthy and and you know become a big part of this offense because he has extreme, he has immense potential. Um, so yeah, I think I think now that I've looked at it from more of a long term uh, angle, I think I think it's a I think it's a good move. It's a high reward, low risk kind of move. Um, and then also, I, I I don't think it takes us out of the OBJ race. Um, you know, I think the cap hit at this point in the season, since it's prorated, I think it's like an eight hundred thousand dollar cap hit or something. So we still have plenty of cap to get um, OBJ. So I think that uh, I, you know I, I think I'm pretty happy with this trade. Just to see how it goes. It's a lot of potential. What about you? Um. Uh- <clears throat> Yeah, I'm actually yeah, I'm really happy about this trade. I'm really excited for him. Um a third round pick. I think initially I was kind of surprised just because he hasn't played very much with the Giants and I actually think that the reason he hasn't been playing isn't so much of because of his injury as because of um not getting along with the coaching staff. Um and that was that was a report that you that we've I mean, I kind of like glanced over it because I didn't really care at the time, but I remember hearing that early, like going into the season that Tony was kind of at odds with the, the new coaching staff that was there because the coaching staff that's there now, they didn't draft him, which is why obviously they were so willing to move on from him. And I've even heard it from like giants fans that they weren't necessarily, they didn't necessarily buy that he had been hurt this season, as long as he claimed that he was hurt and that it was clear to them that there was, um, yeah, that there was it, something about the culture or something that 
Tony just wasn't, um, you know, the coaches didn't really care for, for him. So um, I think that kind of eases my concern a little bit as far as like the risk of Tony. Now he did have injuries in college and he has, I mean, the injuries that he's had are real, <laughs> but I don't think that the chiefs would have traded a third round pick for him if they didn't think that he would, that he wouldn't be playing. Um, like if they were that concerned about his injury history. So um, and another key component, I think to this is the fact that the giants offensive coordinator is Mike Kafka, who was the quarterback's coach for the chiefs for the last couple of years. Andy Reid obviously has a really good relationship with him. Um, so the fact that, you know, he has that connection within the Giants organization. I'm sure he reached out to him and, you know, Kafka, you know, I think he was, he, he would be honest with him and say, Hey, this is, this is kind of the issue that's going on. Maybe it's not so much injury. It's more about, you know, him getting along with the coaching staff and we're just kind of looking to move on. Um, so I just think that, having that connection there also gives me a little bit more confidence in um, in, in the risk factor of taking on Tony. <clears throat> because like you said, his athletic profile is outstanding. Um, the things that he could do in this offense, particularly like you mentioned in the short and intermediate um, routes, um, yeah, he's just kind of he's more like a slot receiver, quick, but he's also a great playmaker. We get the ball in his hands quickly and he can go make plays, you know, similar to to Tyreek. But like you say, he doesn't have that long speed. So I think it'd be really cool to see what Andy Reid could design with Kadarius Tony in this offense. And with the amount of picks that the Chiefs had, I don't think it was as big of a risk as it may seem on the surface. Yeah, no, I I agree. Um, yeah, I'm I'm just excited to see how we use him because I, I think that we can have packages for him. I, uh, but out of all the receivers, knowing you know his um his skill set, do you th- which wide receiver do you think is probably going to lose the most playing time to him if he does? You know, because obviously he's going to bite out of someone's playing time, even if it's not a whole lot this year. Do you th- who do you think he's he's going to be his playing time is going to be fighting into? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't really see him contributing that much this season. Although I haven't, I mean, I have, I honestly haven't watched much Giants, so I don't know if their offense is supposed to be designed to be like the Bills with Brian Dayball as their head coach, or with Kafka coming over from the Chiefs if. Sorry, if he's kind of tailored their offense to be kind of like Andy Reid's offense. So if it's the latter, Tony might be more, um, might have a greater level of understanding and more ready to learn Andy's offense coming over from Mike Kafka, um, if that's the case. So then maybe he, he is able to integrate into the offense a little bit quicker, but if that's not the case, and even if that, I don't know, I think that's kind of 
I I think it's kind of wishful thinking, I think, but um, I don't think he'll, he'll contribute that much this season. And if he does, it's going to be late. Um, I I think the most that he'll probably contribute this season is kickoff returns and palm returns or something like that. Um, And like you said, maybe, maybe they'll use him as like gadget and like gadget plays kind of like how they use Hardman. So I guess Hardman would probably be um, who I would say that he's taking out um, some of that usage just on like jet sweeps, like the touchdowns that, that Hardman was scoring this past week. But I think Hardman, because he knows the offense so well, they'll be able to use him. Uh, I don't know. I just don't think that they'll like re- full on replace him or anything like that. I think, I think Tony's um, contributions to the offense will be pretty minimal this season. That's my long. Do you feel opinion. like? Well, do you feel like he could? Because kind of the way that I'm thinking is I'm I'm on. Because I think McCall, I agree with you that McCall Harvey knows the playbook probably better than any wide receiver that we have on the roster right now, just because he's been here for for as long as he has been. Um, I, I feel like he'll probably kind of push, which I kind of see this as a positive thing. I think he'll kind of push Sky Moore out of the role that he's in, um, where it's just kind of like they have designed packages for him. Um, and and I feel like he's not going to be on the field as much, which I I think is probably a long term thing. Like probably not a bad thing, just because of uh, you know just being able to you know kind of learn the playbook a little bit more before um, having too much pressure on him. Um, and I think Kareem Sony, like he's just so quick. Like I, I've I've been watching some of his highlights. Like his first step is insane. Like. He's probably one of the quickest wide receivers off the line that I've that I've I've seen, and um, because of that, a lot of defensive backs they give him they, they they don't play man on him. They give him cushion because he's able to to break in and out of cuts so quickly, and that's what makes him such a good yards after catch uh, receiver as well. So I think it'll probably take more of Sky Moore's reps and have some like packages desi- designed for him. Um, but we've talked enough about this topic. Another big. Uh, well, I was kind of going to fight you on that because oh, okay. I think it'd be very counterproductive to have Sky Moore taking less reps because of Tony coming in. Why do you say that? Well, because I think Sky Moore, it, one, I think he knows the offense. He's going to know the offense better, so he'll be more valuable in that way. But you also want to get him the reps as, as a wide receiver. You don't want to be taking reps away from somebody you think is going to be contributing and becoming a regular you know, one of your best wide receivers, hopefully in the future. I don't think you want to be taking those important reps away from him right now. I think if anything, you, you want them on the field at the same time, and that could create a lot of different mismatches. That would be awesome to see. Um, I don't know. I, uh, well, I the think- way that I see it, Sorry, go ahead. Well, they, they they have similar skill sets, which is why it kind of makes sense. But I just think it's counterproductive. I would rather <clears throat> him eat into like MVS's um, routes or something like that. Maybe <clears throat> have Sky Moore play a little bit more outside 
even though he's undersized, he still has that capability of running um, the entire route tree and can it can run deep routes and things like that. Um, if you want to have Tony run out of the slot, but I think you you need to to give both of them as many reps as you can. Um, and the Chiefs have been taking it slow with with more, so I don't I don't see them um, going any faster with Tony when he's not going to know really anything about the offense this season. Well, yeah, and, and the, the way that I kind of look at it though is like is I don't think that you're going to be losing time from Juju and because I mean you look at Juju and Juju and Kadarius Tony like they kind of have the same goal as in they're kind of the the short to medium you know yard like grinders for the yards um but obviously they do it in two different ways obviously Juju's a little bit bigger and is more physical in that aspect and uh, Tony would be more of a skill um athletic uh you know slot wide receiver I, I just feel like with MBS his goal is to take the top over the, off the defense and Tony doesn't quite have that speed I could see, I could see him maybe taking reps from like Justin Watson because I know when usually when Nicole Hardman isn't in, Justin Watson is like a filler for him, um, and he tends to play. On, he does tend to play on the outside though, so that's something. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I mean we can speculate as much as we want, but I guess we'll just have to see when it comes down to it. I just think that Tony can be an instant impact because you don't need to know the playbook to run those short slants and those things that he's you know phenomenal at. So I think that they'll probably just be able to plug him in and, you know, play him just wherever, which is kind of what I think that they'll be able to do with OBJ just with the full work that he has. Um, But, I mean, if you have nothing else to say, I was just going to lead into the whole um, announcement about Frank Clark being out uh, for the next two games and what your thoughts are on that. And if you think it's it could be a positive thing or if it's a negative thing. Uh, Frank Clark being suspended? Yeah. Well, I think it's a negative With, thing. <laughs> well, okay. Obviously, like, you don't want him to be suspended, but do you think there's any silver lining in it or, like, with the timing of it all or anything like that? Yeah. Well, I think the fact that we play the Titans and the Jaguars during those two games is ideal. If you are if you know that Frank Clark's going to be suspended for two games during your season, and those are the two games I'm picking if I had to choose. So... Yeah, I think it's good timing if it has to happen. Um, so, yeah, I don't think that we're really going to miss him necessarily. Um, I think it's not like he's been – it's not like he's been playing like a player who's irreplaceable, I guess is the, what I was going to say. So I think they're not really going to miss him on defense. Um, so – yeah, I don't know. Could have been worse. I don't, <laughs> really, I don't know. I don't think it really makes a difference at this point. But I guess it's just interesting that it's finally happened and we can kind of move on from it. Yeah, and I, uh, I think it. I think on. Yeah, I think I agree with you. If there's any, if there was a time that it had to happen, um, then it would now would be the time. Um, Mike Dana is coming back. So he'll have someone else to, to jump in there. And um, I, I think it's the fact that there's going to be a bye week and then two weeks more that he gets to sit out. Um, I think as a veteran um, that 
in the long haul of the season, it could be good to have him rest a little bit. Um, Cause I think we've all kind of noticed like Frank Clark, he like the more the season goes on, like just the more he disappears. Mm-hmm. I think that could just be like an age thing. Um, and so, and, and also I think it's just a good time to have uh I'm hoping that Leo Chanel, I know he's obviously not a defensive end or anything, but we're going to be playing, you know, the the Titans that have, um, you know, a run heavy offense. So it'll be interesting to see who they're, you know, the packages that they mix in. Um, Now that Frank Clark isn't in there. Um, But yeah, I think those are the two biggest uh, news, uh, news articles that came out with regards to the chiefs. Is there, is there anything else that you wanted to bring up with regards to the roster changes or, Anything like that, or do you want to just dive right into um, how we how we see the rest of the season going? Um, no, I think just the only other thing I would probably just point out was that now that the bye weeks happened, I think I've I've just been looking forward to um, seeing Trent McDuffie return. I think he was taken off of IR like two weeks ago, and we still haven't seen him yet. Uh, but now that the bye week is happening, I think they were probably just waiting until the Titans game for him to make his comeback just to get him as much recovery time as possible. Um, teams just like to do that. Use that buy as like, um, yeah, like a clean slate. Just like, all right, now we can start after the buy. So often with injuries or with major changes, um, you know, that's, that's good timing. Um, and the bye is kind of early this season, it feels like. I wish it was a little bit later. I think I kind of mentioned that on um, the episode last – or, yeah, this past episode. Um, but nothing you can really do about it now. Just hopefully the, the Chiefs can stay healthy moving forward. Um, but I think the Chiefs have a pretty favorable schedule moving forward. So as long as they can stay healthy – they should win a lot of games and be in position to compete for that number one seed. Although also looking at the bills schedule that they have coming up, if they can beat the bucks this or the Packers this week, I don't know if they'll lose another game. <laughs> so um, what are your thoughts on the, the rest of the, the chief schedule. Are there any teams that you're specifically worried about or. Um, um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I would say out of the rest of the teams that we play, um, there's just a three, a three game streak that I, I'm, I wouldn't necessarily necessarily say I'm nervous for, but I think would be, the most challenging three games, it's when we play the Chargers, the Rams, and the Bengals. Um, I mean, obviously we know that the, the Chargers, I mean, they just lost J.C. Jackson for the season, um, unfortunately. Um, but it just feels like when the Chargers play us, they they just play on another level that pushes us to um, either, you know, rise above and, and beat them or, you know, unfortunately it feels like we usually half-half it with them. The Rams, obviously they have a – they have all the pieces there to be a great team. They haven't quite put it together yet, but I, I feel like at that point in the season, they probably will. Um, it's towards the end of November. So, um, and then the Bengals, Joe Burrow and the Bengals have looked absolutely phenomenal the last couple of weeks. Um, 
very high-powered offense. Our defense is starting to put things together. I, I did see that Jamar Chase is going to be out for the next four to six weeks. That's a um, just an estimate right now. So he might miss that game. I'm I'm thinking he'll probably that would probably be his return game just because I know that they'll want him to come back as soon as they, as soon as possible. Um, but yeah, I mean that, that offense just looks scary, and and even if we have you know our full set of defensive backs, it'll be interesting to see how we do against a higher powered offense. But besides that, like the Seahawks, Raiders, Broncos, Texans, like I feel like we should be able to win the rest of those. It's just that three game streak where I'm like, okay, we could drop one or two of these games. Yeah, I think the Chargers and Bengals are probably the two teams that concern me. Going into the season, the Rams did, uh, but they just their offense has been terrible and their defense has has been good, but not good enough to be carrying their team. Um, Seahawks are a little frisky on New Year, on uh, Christmas Eve. Geno Smith got them riding high, um, but in the cold. In Kansas City, I don't think, yeah, on Christmas Eve. I think that that, that seems like a, a classic Mahomes game where he just takes over and outduels the other quarterback who doesn't have a chance. Um, Yeah, no, I'm, I, like I said at the beginning of the show, I'm very confident with where the Chiefs are right now, how they've looked coming into the bye week. Um, I think they'll come out firing against the Titans because they always do coming out of a bye. Um, I think probably just my only concern really is because of how confident I am and how confident the Chiefs probably are is if, you know, they just kind of coast like they kind of did against the Colts. And um, I feel like these are a bunch of – right now it's just a bunch of trap games because I think um, probably once they get – yeah. I guess it won't matter once they get through the Bengals, but I would say that they'll get up for the Bengals, they'll get up for the Rams and the Chargers. But after that, I could see them losing to like the Texans or the Seahawks or the Broncos on New Year's Day just because they're already looking forward to the playoffs and things like that. So, um, yeah, I think they lose two more games at the most. So that's a that's a great spot to be in at – what would that be? 13 and 13 and four. Four. Yeah. So yeah, I'm very excited for the rest of the season. Um, do you think the chiefs have a shot at that, at the one seed? Uh, I'm going to go look at the bill schedule real quick and see how we're looking. Cause if you're saying, if you're quick. saying, well, I just looked at the bull schedule. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, my typing. Um, I mean, I don't know, man. I feel like some of these teams could. I mean, I don't want to put the Jets on a too high of a pedestal, but their defense has been looking really, really good. Um, it's just a, a d- debate whether their offense um, can do much. Dolphins, I feel like the Bengals. Vikings have a decently balanced team this year. I don't I I mean yeah, I think they have a tougher schedule than the Chiefs, but I th- I just think they're so well-rounded and yeah, no, they're so consistent. Like they beat down bad teams. Yeah, no, and I I agree with that. But 
Yeah, I don't. I could see them. I could see them dropping maybe two, two or three of these games. Um, just because I feel like that they would kind of get in that same mentality of you know like oh we're we're finally on top you know we can, we can kind of uh, you know relax. But I mean, this looks like a decent schedule. I feel like they don't. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I feel like we definitely have a chance to be number one seed as long as we keep that focus. And and now that we are behind, like, I mean, we've never been the ones chasing we've always been the chased so i think now that we're behind and we're chasing the bills for the number one seed i think that you'll see a lot more focus throughout the season than you would have if we were on top already at this point i like that it's a great perspective well i think that should do it for us thank you Staten, for joining me today looking forward to week nine when the chiefs take on the titans on sunday night football so stay tuned for that preview show hopefully dave will be able to join us But thank you, everybody, for joining us tonight. Have a great evening, and we'll talk to you guys later. In fact, she pegged him when when the Chiefs drafted him. Going to destroy him from the inside.